Good morning, family. I, um, when we were singing the song Hallelujah, I noticed a misspelling um, and Hallelujah. And that misspelling, um, I sent Scott back to try to change it, but we couldn't change it in time. It comes from the writers. They wrote, wrote it that way. Probably pronunciation they were thinking of, and they ended it with UIA, I think it was. Um, and, uh, and the reason I even make that up, are you just getting real technical here? No. Actually, the last three letters of hallelujah is the beginning three le letters of the name of God. And hallelujah is praise to, well, we, we say praise to the Lord because no one, you know, there's argument about how you pronounce the name of God. Yahweh or Jehovah, um, and I don't want to get into detail why that is, you know, not, people don't know, but the point is 7,000 times in the Bible, the name of God is mentioned, and, and, uh, and when we praise, when we say hallelujah, it's praise Jehovah, but there is a name given to us, in fact, the Father said, there is a name that's given to us that is above every other name. Every other name. And at the name of Jesus, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus. He's the center of everything. I remember when someone came uh, to the church for the first time, and they were here for about three or four, I, I, I say first time, they were here for about three or four weeks, and then they came up afterward and said, I just started coming to your church. You guys talk about Jesus a lot. <laughs> yeah, we kind of do. <laughs> There's a reason for that. I'm excited about this new series. We're just calling it Jesus is, and you fill in the blank. And we're going through the book of John, the gospel of John. And we're, I'm excited about the start of this whole series because we're going to take a look at, we're going to take a deeper look at Jesus, a deeper look at Jesus. I was just kind of writing down some of the things that just come and this is a this is just a sampling of, of who Jesus is. He's creator, always with you. Jesus is friend of sinners. Jesus is a good shepherd. He's hope. He's savior. He's redeemer. redeemer. He's God. He's light, life, love, freedom, resurrection, coming king, baptizer with the Holy Spirit, healer, word of God, the door, the deliverer, the bread of life, the I am, the more, the grace, Jesus is Jehovah. And Jesus is not convenient. The Gospel of John, 80 times, has the word love in it. So this is a gospel about love. But a hundred times, it has the word believe. 
So it's a gospel of faith. And we're going to take a look at this gospel. And so if you want to turn to the, the gospel of John, uh, the fourth book in the New Testament, and I'm going to read its kind of foundation because here's the point. Jesus really lived. Jesus really did everything the Bible says he did. And Jesus really said the things the Bible said he said. And this book was written according to John himself. The J John we're talking about is the, the apostle. He, at this point, would have been probably the last person who was uh, of the disciples still alive. And at this point, when he wrote it, um, he had taken care of uh, Jesus' mother, Mary. She lived with him after Jesus died and took care of her up until the point she died. I'm, I'm assuming she died before him. Um, he lived a, a pretty long life, and she was older than him. So, but John wrote this book, you know, he, it was really, um, he wrote this book with a purpose in mind. And in John chapter 20, verse 31, it gives us that purpose. This is, and it talks about the signs that he decided to put in the book. The book is actually um, has l more things in this gospel that are not found in other, the other gospels. So it, it has a uniqueness about it. But he said, but these things are written. He says, he could have wrote so many other things. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one that, that well, from the beginning. This, this is the one that God talked about to Adam and Eve that would come, that would crush the head of the serpent. This is the one that he told Moses was going to come and be, would be greater than him, a prophet. This is the one Isaiah, do, you know, he told Isaiah about who would sacrifice and die, not for himself, but for the sins of the world. And as you go through the Old Testament, and for, you know, 4,000 years of biblical history, there is this anticipation, sometime this Messiah, sometimes this Christ is going to come. And John says, these are things are written so that you will know, that you will believe that Jesus is that person. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the Son of God. And there's so much to that term. And that believing you may have what? Life. Life. Life in his name. So let's take a look. And John is, for most, in fact, oftentimes when people get saved, we'll give them the book of John. Maybe not the whole Bible at first, just the book of John. Start there. We'll tell people start in the book of John. So for many of you, Going through the book of John is not the first time. And if it is, I I'm, I'm envy you if it is the first time because there's so much to learn. But for all of us, if we could just kind of dial back our knowledge on this for a while and learn like it was brand new and fresh. Because we will learn things 
that we've never, and see things that we never have seen before. In the beginning, it starts. In the beginning. Do you, do you, do you remember where else that might have be in the Bible? Right? It's the first words of the Bible. In the beginning. Do you think John, the, the, um, the apostle, might have been knowing that? Do you think he might have wrote that down for a purpose as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was, he's tying us to, to the beginning, the creation, the first books, words of the Bible when God says, in the beginning, God created. And now he's talking about the Son of God. He's talking about Christ, talking about Jesus. And he says, in the beginning, was the word. Now, now, if you've seen that before, you're, you're kind of used to it, but it seems like an odd thing to start off with. In the beginning was the word. Aren't, why, not, why didn't he say in the beginning was God again? Why did he say the word? John is trying to do something. He's connecting two groups of people, and he's so good at it. He's connecting the, the Gentile who have kind of a Greek mentality. When, when the word that is used, logos, the logos is, in fact, or the logos is, in fact, the word for word. It's a specific word for word. And it's, it's a, in, in Greek thought, the logos was, well, it was the power that made everything work. It was the force. Let the force be with you. It was that kind of concept of, of God, or, or not even God, just this idea that they didn't really have any true definition to, but they thought it was the reason for everything. It's the, the reason for everything is because of the logos, the word. And John uses that word intentionally. And and in the Greek thought, there were kind of two groups. There were those who were called uh, Epicureans. Epicureans were those who thought, well, we can't do anything to change things in life. You know, it is going to happen as it's going to happen. So what we ought to do is eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That was really their whole mentality. Fulfill every, you know, desire of your flesh that you could. But there was the other side of that that saw that as being empty and, um, and, and dissatisfying. And they went to the other extreme, and they were called, what you would think, the Stoics. And the Stoics were deny your flesh of everything... Don't have any satisfaction. You really need to end any ambitions or desires or even emotions. And in both cases, they find themselves in a very empty life. That doesn't answer the main question. What's the main question? Well, the main question is, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? It was supposed to answer that question. It never did. The other group were the Hebrews, the Jews, that would also read this. And from their understanding of 
the Logos. It was, well, it was the word. You have the, the, the word of God. And that was something they highly valued. They, they would read in the word that he, he, that he in fact, establishes his word above his name. That they would look through the scriptures and try to find every little nuance. Every little nuance, because if they could find one little nuance in there, it could be completely life-changing. They understood the importance and the value of the word. But now... John is saying, the word is more than the words on the page. It's a person. A person. And in all this, there's a mystery. Everybody say mystery. There's a mystery about God that is to be discovered. And the reason why, in fact, we look at Jesus in this way is because for every Christian, it is a lifetime discovery of Jesus. A lifetime of discovery. I hope you're discovering Jesus more and more every day. I hope today, I hope as we go through the series, you're going to discover Jesus in ways that you never thought. Because he's going to reveal himself in those ways to us as we open our heart to it. So he says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So you get this idea that, that this Word, which we will you know, we discover later, and just for, you know, just, uh, just telling you just in ahead of time, this is Jesus, right? This is Jesus. And so he's, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, that's important because you get this idea that means that there's God and the word was with him. Okay? And that's one understanding of this relationship. But then if it stopped there, you would have God and you would have Jesus who was just with God. But it doesn't stop there. Because then he goes on to say that not only the word was with God, but the word was God. Now, this is the mystery of what we call the Trinity. It's, you know, from the earliest days of the church, there was this understanding of the nature of God that was that, that there was one God in three persons. There's one essence that is God and three persons. There's not three gods. There's only one God, very clearly. But the Father is called God. The, the Son is called God. And we will find as we get further down that the Holy Spirit is called God. And so what we see at the beginning, he's trying to give us a little bit of insight. Well, was he with God or was he God? The answer, yes. He was with God and he was God. And that's the, that's the uniqueness or the mystery of God. We know it's true. It's just hard to get our head around. In fact, some cults are actually, their struggle to get their head around the idea of the Trinity is to actually go 
unbiblical and say that Jesus is not God. In fact, almost every so-called Christian cult, that is the foundation of their false teaching. That, that Jesus is actually not God. And you can, you know, they'll, they'll be the ones maybe knocking on your door and, and they, they have some tracks for you and so forth that will say, and they'll say this, that it was, it, 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 it's not translated right. Their translators have it right. All the other translators of the Bible have it wrong. Of course, if you ask the question, who were the theologians who actually translated your translation? They say, we don't tell. Of course you wouldn't tell because they're not theologians. They don't know the language. And so they, they will add a phrase and say, a God, which is not in the text at all. And, and if it said the God, as they would, uh, would say that we're say, it should have said, we would say that that would be a heresy in itself. That would mean that God the Father is not God and only the Son is God. You see, John did it just right. So we would understand that this God is, he is with God and he is God and there's one God. And if you can fully understand that, you're amazing. This is something the church has not grappled with because we understand it to be true, but it's, but I found it to be something that's very difficult to, to uh, understand. And we use all kinds of I illustrations to try to make this connection, and none of them work. You know, the egg, there's three parts, you know, but it's one egg. Sounds good. It, it tastes good, but it doesn't really get the answer across the way it is. You know, the light, there's, you know, the three types of light and yet it all comes from the sun and so forth. Well, there, that, that sounds good, but it doesn't make the connection. What you have to do in some things, you just have to take them as they're revealed because you can't get your head around it. Let me throw one at you. I think most of us would agree with. God is eternal. Get your head around that. Really. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. He's forever. That's a simplistic kind of idea. You, do you really grasp what forever is? Ever? You really? No, you don't. We, we get the concept basic, but, and we know it's a true truth, but you can't, your mind, because why? We, in all of our life, everything has a beginning and an end. And so we don't make that connection fully. And that's what it is like about the nature of God. But in the beginning, it said that, um, that he, in the, he was with God in the beginning. He was with God, and yet he was God. And it says... All things were made through him. Now, there you go. Everything, right? 
Everything was made through him. Now, there are some people might go, yeah, but if he was made, he wouldn't be put into that category. So he could have made everything, but he was made too. He's the maker, but he was made too. Well, John just says, he, he, he wants to end that argument too. So he adds, not only that, that, that he made everything, but he adds this, without him, nothing was made that was made. If it was made, it was made by him. And without him, there was nothing made. Can we end the argument? Do we know who he is? That this Messiah is in fact the creator. He is the creator. It tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. God at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Has in these last days spoke to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. He's the creator. He created all things. But not only is he the creator, in him, the scripture says, was life. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't use the word bio, the word for biological life. He's not talking necessarily. He's already answered that one. If it's, if it's you know, if it was created, he created it. That, that's already been answered. But the word here for life is not about biological life. It's Zoe. It's about spiritual life. And the life, that life, it's, Zoe is not just life, but it's God life. See, when the Bible tells us that if you believe in Christ, you have eternal life, do you know it's not just talking about the length of time, eternal life? Because that word there being used has to do with the quality of life. It's God life. You have been, you, what has come in you is God life, God quality life. He is the author of life and he's given it to you and me. Our eternal existence is more than just length of time. It's a quality of life that has come from God. And he is the author of it. He's the one who brings it. He is life. That's why he has to come in to the believer because eternal life is in a person. It's in Jesus. He is life. And he comes in and gives us life. And, and the life was the light of men. Because why? Men, we, we, because mankind lives in darkness. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness didn't comprehend it. Who's he talking? He's talking about the world. The creator of the world came into the world and the world didn't recognize him. The world didn't know. They, they didn't see. They didn't comprehend who he was. And it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is, not, this is not the John who's writing the book. 
This is not the John, the Apostle John. This is John the Baptist. In fact, the Apostle John doesn't even put his name in the book. When he, rec- when he, when he t- talks about himself, this is how he talks about himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved. It sounds almost arrogant, you know? Like he didn't love the rest of them. He just really loved me. And don't you feel that way sometimes when you feel the presence of God's love and God in you? That, that it's like, okay, I know he loves other people, but he so loves me. And you know why? Because he does. He does. He loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. Many of you know I've told this story so many times, but as my kids were growing up, my kids would come to me, and I, you know, in, in different situations, I would say, you know, you're my favorite. You know? And then, then they would ask, Dad, am I your favorite? Oh, yeah, you are definitely my favorite. And, and I would tell it to all of them. So when they got together and started saying, I'm dad's favorite, they'd say, no, you're, you're not. He told me. Well, he told me. You know. And the truth is, yes, each one of them are my favorite. And for you, you're his favorite. He loves you that much. You, you might not feel that. And I would hope that you would get past your whatever it is that keeps you from feeling it and know it. Because if you know it strong enough, if you know it and believe it, eventually you'll start feeling it. Because he does. And, and it's, it's a key to breakthrough in every area of our life. It's a key to faith is absolutely being assured of that. That you are, in fact, his favorite. And so he says, this man who was sent by God, this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. So this John, John the Baptist, as you know, this guy was a little bit strange. Um, He was kind of a street person right, ate locusts and honey and um, dressed with camel hair, kind of an uncomfortable kind of a dress and looked a little ratty, but he preached. And he came to bear witness to the light and says that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. That light that he's bearing witness is the one who gives. And so John would say, um, he, he would say, I'm not the light. I'm not the light. He's the light. In fact, John would say things like the one who's coming, talking about Jesus. I'm not worthy to kneel down and untie his, his sandals, which was the job of a slave. A slave would do that. A slave would, when the master came home from walking in their sandals and all the dirt, the first thing they'd do is they'd have a basin of water. They'd have the master sit down, put their feet, 
untie their sandals, remove them, put their feet and take a, uh, a, a bowl and take a rag and clean their feet. Remember Jesus doing that? He did that for his disciples and said, if I, being master, do this for you, you do that to one another. But John is saying, I'm not even worthy to do that. And yet, Jesus said of those born of, of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. He, he, was, he, he, he exceeded all the rest, having to do, I think, with his position. So it says that that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So because without Jesus, you're just groping in darkness. And, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So there's two categories of people here. He comes to the world who he created, and they didn't recognize him. He, he comes to his own, that's the Jewish people whom God had revealed himself to, in order that they would, in fact, communicate the truth about who God is to the rest of the world, and they did not receive him. 4,000 years of anticipation, sacrificing, you know, regularly, annually, and, and more, uh, lambs, little lambs, and, and shedding blood with anticipation that there would be a lamb, that, a different kind of lamb, that would die for the sins of the world. And when he came, they didn't recognize him. They missed it. But not everybody missed it. Because it says in verse 12, but as many as receive him, to, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And those who believe in his name. So you can it says, who were born not of blood. What is that? Well, it has nothing to do with your family line. You cannot be saved. You cannot receive, you don't receive Christ just because your parents did. There are a lot of people kind of, well, I grew up in church, you know, and that, that kind of seems to be the thing. You know, I, I grew up in church, that's kind of it. Or, you know, my parents were Christian, and or my grandparents. I usually, when I'm sharing with somebody, I can't, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, "Well, my uncle's a pastor," or my, you know, my cousin's a minister, and uh, there, there's kind of like this connection. You know, I'm kind of hoping I'm good because I know somebody who's on, you know, got it right, who knows God. And John says. No, it doesn't come that way. It, it doesn't come by blood. It doesn't come by blood, nor the will of the flesh. It doesn't come by religious activity that tries to satisfy, nor the will of man, human effort. I, uh, I used to do a lot of door-to-door -door stuff. And uh, we used to have this kind of thing. You'd ask this question. Um, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? And uh, the answer usually was, 
well, I hope heaven, I'm a, I'm a good person. Like, you know, I walk little old ladies across the street. Whatever, you know, the list of things that we might have as I'm a good person. And John says, no, it's not. It's not the will of man. It doesn't come that way. But of God. It comes through God. It comes through Christ. As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It's almost too simple. But he says, John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, John was actually born six months before Jesus. But John says, no, he was before me. It was Jesus who said, before Abraham was, I am. And when he said that, they took up stones to stone him. Not because he was saying that he lived at the time of Abraham, which was enough to say you're crazy. But they were not going to stone him because they thought he was crazy. They were going to stone him because he said he was the I am. Before Abraham was I am, they would have all known that when Moses asked for God's who God was, God said, I am that I am. And they knew that. And Jesus was tying that, and they knew that too. So here he is. John says, he was before me, and of his fullness we have all received grace and for grace. Now John the Baptist, and we'll get more about him, um, next week we're really going to delve into learning about who we are. And I, I think at another level. Because the scripture, this, this, this next text really gets into that with us. But, but here, John, who, who is John? Well, he was a herald, the heralder. When, when a king would come from a foreign place or a king was returning to his, you know, his home in his castle, and as he's returning, there would be one who goes before. I, I always have this picture of the Bugs Bunny who would, he would act like he was the herald, or I don't, I don't know, one cartoon, I probably shouldn't have brought it up. Um, but the point was that there would, he would be this herald, and the king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming, and they'd blow the trumpet, the king is coming. That's who John the Baptist was. The king is coming, the one who is greater, the one who, who is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The one who's the savior. The king is coming. The one I'm not worthy to unbuckle his shoe. He's coming. He's coming. Because he is the king. And he brings grace. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Then John says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. And you say, well, didn't Moses see God? Only a portion of his glory. 
Didn't Isaiah see God? No, the train of his robe filled the temple. He, no one has seen God except for the only begotten Son. And when we use that term, only begotten, that means it's the only unique. There's a uniqueness about Jesus. I would say this. Jesus is only, he is a son because he took on human flesh. You see, the word, verse 14 says, became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's actually the word is for tabernacle, tabernacled among us. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. What was the tabernacle? What was the place where God met man? God's presence was in the camp. And God's presence is in Jesus and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten. Full of grace and truth. He, Jesus, Jesus, how does that translate into our lives? Well, if Jesus was before the creation, then he lives in timeless space. See, Einstein kind of got this kind of right. Time, right, time is tied to matter. Without matter, there's no time. See? And uh, the theory of relativity has to do with the relating to time and, you know, space. It's called space-time. There's creation. There has to be matter for time. Now, I don't know how that works out biblically, but this is what I do know. God in all creation is not bound by time. And that means this. Jesus, the one who loves you, you know, the one who sees you as his favorite, he's, not, he's, he's never been surprised by anything that has happened to you. Never. Never surprised. Remember that thing that just surprised you? Maybe that thing that maybe has kind of knocked you off your horse and, you know, dis disorientated you? It wasn't a surprise to Jesus. He knew. He knew. Say, well, why didn't he do anything? Who said he didn't? He's always... He's always acting on your behalf. He's always acting on the, for the best interests of his kingdom, and he's always acting on your best interests. Might be eternal. I was just talking to someone who is going through a really, really, really difficult time, have been. And, uh, and it seemed like this week was a breakthrough. And what this person told me was that in all of this, the breakthrough now, he can see why 
God took him through this place in his life. But he could never see it while he was going through it. Sometimes you never see the end. You never see, you never see why. I think someday you'll know, but you won't care. You know, people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. God will probably show you, but you won't care. Because you'll be with him. You see? That's what matters. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to end with this. It says, to as many as receive him. I said there were those in the world that didn't know who he was. There were Jews, those his people, who didn't receive him. But there were some. John, who is writing this, is part of that some. And if you have never received Christ, you, you, you can't go by someone else. Maybe you have a relative or a friend or parents. It has nothing to do with your bloodline. It has everything to do with your decision. And he, would, he has revealed himself. And it's your choice. And if you want life, you have to accept him. No other way. And it's a full acceptance. It's a full acceptance of Jesus as Lord. No hesitation. Just Jesus. No religious activity. No works. Just Jesus. And I'm going to ask you all to bow your head. And I would just say this. If you, in this room or online, if you have not received Christ, but you want to receive Christ right now, I'm going to invite you just to lift your head up and let your eyes meet mine. I want to just connect with you. Say, I want Jesus. I want to accept the Lord in my life. Okay? Okay. 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 Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray this prayer. Church, will you join in as we pray and ask all of those who are saying yes to Jesus to say yes right now and pray this prayer out loud. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins, was buried, and conquered death. And Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I ask you into my life. I choose to follow you. And I ask your help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you did that, let us know, will you? As the worship team is coming, we're also going to do this. For those of you who want to remain, you're welcome to, uh, to go at this point. But if you want to remain for communion... Um, they're going to be handing out the communion baskets. Just take the elements and hold them and we'll take them together. But in the meantime, let's lift up the name of Jesus, okay?
from glory took on flesh to save the lost grace and mercy displayed upon the cross of redemption it's the hope for all mankind one name over everything one name over everything only jesus lift the song up church it's jesus over everything here On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. We know what he did when he went to that cross and the sacrifice he made. Today, as you take this bread, if you need healing in your body, take it with faith. Lord, thank you. By your stripes, we were healed. We receive in Jesus' name. Then he took the cup and he said, this is a cup of the new covenant of my blood. We have a new covenant. Aren't you glad we don't have some bulls and goats up here? You know, making our sacrifice. 
It's been done once and for all. Once and for all. Receive in Jesus' name. Lift up the name of Jesus. We're singing Jesus you church we'll see you wednesday night be blessed jesus 